Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're talking all about Paris Saint-Germain's narrow escape away at Brest, and we're going to look back at that win over Milan last week. And here to help me do that, we've got Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, this morning, it was like 25 degrees where I am, and, and PSG kicked off, and they were they had the play with hail falling from the sky. So i got to ask you, how's the weather situation up there in, in Boise? Yeah, it's probably similar to what yours is. Um, yeah, it was cold this morning. Yeah, definitely below freezing temperatures. Um, yeah, it's it's chilly. I don't know if you saw, but yeah, Colorado got mm-hmm. a, a bunch of snow, but uh, it missed it missed Utah and Idaho, so we did not get snow. You didn't get snow, did you? We got just a little bit on the, oh, okay. on the tip of the mountains here. Not much, nothing where I am, but it is certainly coming. And I saw that your boys, uh, LAFC, with a big win in the MLS playoffs, 5-2 over Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you guys, or uh, Real Salt Lake plays tomorrow, right now? We played already, lost to Houston, so that's okay. Oh, We're going to come back. Today? Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, with, with the new system, it's best two out of three in the first round. So Yeah, so the best we can yeah. do now is push it to a, a game three in mm-hmm. Houston. So we're watching those games. But we want to get into this match against Brest because, surprisingly, action-packed. You had goals, penalty decisions, VAR taking a look at that one. You had Mbappe yelling at the crowd, the crowd abusing Hakimi. PSG ultimately won this match thanks to a late goal from Mbappe, but... Let's first, let's look at the starting lineup where Luis Enrique went with Danilo and Skriniar at center back. <laughs> is it safe to say that this is going to be the last time we see that duo bar some catastrophic injury spell? Because it was pretty horrific. Both goals for Brest coming off of headers, off of set pieces. So just kind of talk about that combination, why it didn't work, and whether you think we'll ever see it again this season. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think it'll be the last time we see it. Um... Until Nuno is fit, I think we'll see it a couple more times. We may see it a couple more times. And that's just because until Nuno is fit, then we can't really play Lucas Hernandez anywhere but left back. I think I think he's going to be best in in the team as the left center back for us. That's where I want to see him. And then probably Marquinhos as the right center back, even though Marquinhos is typically playing left center back. Uh, it's not a huge transition. I, I would much rather have him at right center back than than uh, Lucas Hernandez. So I think that's probably our best center back duo. Or I think when we get to the end of the season and we look at it, I think once once everything's all said and done, we'll say that that's our best center back pairing. That's just what I'm guessing. But um, as far as yeah, the rest of well, it's really weird. So that game, and I think and a lot of people touched on it is it's a slow center back duo. But we weren't getting beat by speed on these goals. It's you. These guys are typically pretty good in the air. Marquinhos is also good in the air, probably better than Danilo. But you would not say Danilo is is a liability in the air. But those two goals that Stadbrestois scored were just just perfect crosses, honestly. And it's frustrating because I don't think we should have allowed them anyway. But they were they were kind of right on the money. Um, and I, if you had to take pure crossing skill of, of Paris Saint-Germain against Stade Brestois, Stade Brestois is miles better at crossing. And I think that's pretty clear. So um, they were on it today with those crosses. Very good deliveries. Could have had a third even. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's, it is weird. If you had looked at that lineup, you'd have said, if we allowed, you know, if you told someone before the game, hey, we're going to allow two goals. 
you're thinking surely that one of their pacey wingers or or their stri- strikers just makes like good count- runs on counterattacks and scored, but that wasn't it at all, surprisingly. So weird game to win, especially the way that Stedberstraw scored their goals. I mean, if you had told me they scored two header goals, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, they probably score one or two more off the counterattack and we probably lose or at least drop points. And somehow they didn't happen. Um, yeah, I guess. Is there, yeah, any, anything else that you want me to touch on regarding that or? Yeah, I guess it's not a bad do it. I know they're slow. And like you said, they, the goals came off of headers. I guess you said that breasts are just so good at their crosses. Why aren't we? We have players that are miles ahead of where they are. Why are we so poor at crosses and, and headers? Like, I can't even remember the, the last headed goal we scored. Why are we so bad at it? The last headed goal I can think of was Gonzalo Ramos in La Classique. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. But other than that, that I can't... weeks ago. Yeah, it was over a month ago, I think now. Yeah, I can't remember... Uh, gosh, maybe there was just one super recently, but I cannot remember it, Um, if it happened. But yeah, do, we just... Do we just not practice that because of, with our players, we don't have a lot of height going forward. We got Mbappe and yeah. Tabelli on the wings. Is it just not a... Concern for Luis Enrique is just not something we practice that much. I I would say, in my opinion, that we probably work on it. I think over time we'll get better at it, but we don't we don't have we haven't had an aerial threat since like Zlatan or Cavani. So it's been years since we've had a good one. I mean, Icardi was was yeah. decent, but he just didn't work out for numerous reasons. Cavani was uh, really the last good reliable. He, he yeah, he was. And he left, what, how many years ago now? I mean, was crap. it 2019? Yeah, 2019, I think. Um, Maybe it was so, early 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, was it? Uh, oh, yeah. He didn't finish out the COVID season. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so June 2020 is when he uh, left. So, yeah, in three years, we haven't had a, a true good number nine that's, that's good in the air. And I think because of that, just our past teams as well, uh, like the past couple of years, We've been so reliant on speed and counterattacks in the Champions League. I just I think we've lost a lot of games or dropped points in a lot of games that we might have won otherwise or or got a draw otherwise because teams knew, hey, if we defend the wings well, we just make them take outlandish shots outside the box, then we're fine because if they try and cross on us, they're not going to do anything. Um, So I just feel like we haven't been good at that for several years. And it's just going to take time to correct that. I mean, I mean, yeah. Think of some of the wingers. Like, how often do, would you see Neymar whip in a cross? Like, not often. That's just not what he yeah. did when he played right winger for us. Um, Di Maria was was the last decent guy at crossing for us, mm-hmm. and he's been gone two seasons now. And when he set assist records at PSG, that was when Cavani was here. So, right. Yeah, we just haven't had a true. We just haven't had a good link up from. From crossing, so I'm I'm wondering if a guy like Barkola or maybe Kangan Lee, I'm hoping one of those guys could maybe mm-hmm. be a guy that's just when we need someone to whip in a quality cross, get yeah, it on the head of, to, to get ahead on it though. Yeah, yeah, someone like like yeah to whip it into Ramos or maybe Colomani if he can uh, get real good at headers, then uh, then we might have it. But we just haven't had the profile in our team for years. I remember this stat, and I won't stay on this topic too long, but. I remember this uh, random stat I saw two years ago. It was the season that we got eliminated by Real Madrid um, mm-hmm. when they came back after Mbappe had scored twice, uh, one in each game. There was some, before the round of 16, 
I think Bleacher Report or ESPN FC, they put out some thing that said, okay, this is predicting the Champions League winner. They said, based on our formula, there are only four teams who have a chance at winning the Champions League. And they went through all this criteria, like these teams do these things at this efficiency or this often. And that's just, you know, relating to past Champions League winning sites. And one of the, the reason they eliminated PSG is they said their, their crossing ability and their crossing frequency is nowhere near the level of most Champions League winning sites. So by that alone, they predicted when we needed a goal in a pinch, we weren't going to get it because we couldn't, we didn't have an aerial threat. And they were probably partially correct. I mean, at the end of that, that Real Madrid loss a couple of years ago, um, we're, we're trying to get a goal. We're, we're going out to the wings naturally, and there's no one to get their head on that. So I just thought that was uh yeah, kind of a neat little anecdote that I remember from two years ago, but that, that's a great, and I think it still continues on. And I mean, I mean, it makes sense to have multiple ways to score. Okay. Yes, we have pace and we've got great technical ability, but there's other things that other teams can do. They watch tape too. They, they can figure out how to kind of close us down. We know PSG, we saw that against Newcastle. If you just press us, sometimes that can cause some issues. You have to have an easy way to create scoring opportunities. A corner, you can get a corner, but does it's not that great if you can't have a, an aerial threat in the box to get on the end of that. It's kind of like a wasted opportunity. I think it's certainly something that PSG have to clean up uh, moving forward, whether that's, I don't know, maybe it's Ramos or Colomani working with them on, on crosses. I, I think it's something that certainly can be coached, but right now, yeah, we are certainly abysmal at it. Um, let's keep it moving because I want to talk about Warren Zaire Emery because he continues his ascension um, to be one of the best young players, one of the best teenagers in Europe. Uh, scored incredible goal, which really showed off everything, his dribbling ability, his strength, um, and in his shot, I mean, that was a great shot from distance in the upper corner of the net. So he really flashed all of his ability there. Um, and he's coming off of a man of the match performance against Milan. So it definitely feels like he's turned that corner from being a youngster who sort of flashes every few games to being a major consistent contributor. I'd argue he's probably one of the, after Mbappe, maybe Don Roma, he's maybe third on the list that's definitely going into the starting lineup at this point. So. I want to ask you about this. Do you think Luis Enrique saw his ability in training? And do you think that played a role in Marco Verratti's uh, departure? Yes. Next question. Mm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, yeah, I, I really think that was a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, there are rumors that we've heard, of course, that, that Verratti was training there for, you know, during preseason and they went to uh, Asia for the tour. And I don't know when this conversation happened, maybe before the tour was over, maybe during it, but that that uh, Enrique uh, reportedly told Marco Verratti that, hey, you're just you're not in my plans for this this season, and you sh you need to find a new club. I I would definitely say that probably had a part to do with it, um, based on the the obvious young, uh, you know, young team that we're trying to build. We're not we're not going for guys that are 28. That we will Plus, you had Agarte who was signed in the summer. So you've got between Zaire yeah. Henry and Agarte, yeah, there's the not a whole lot of minutes for yeah. a variety who's on huge wages. Uh huh. Yeah, the midfield clearly went towards uh, developing the young guys this mm -hmm. this year. So I would definitely say that probably had a big impact, especially because he's not a carbon copy of variety, of course. But as far as like a classic eight, you know, because we've seen Vitinha. He'll kind of move into like an attacking Metzala role, which is like 
a midfielder that kind of drifts to the wing and attack. He's he's real good at that kind of stuff. But as far as a true eight that can stay in the center of the pitch, then Warren Zyre Emery is, is the closest replacement we've got to Verratti in that sense. So I I definitely think that had a big part to do. I think if if Warren Zyre Emery, if he was at the, the level of someone like Ismail Garby, who was loaned out to Switzerland, uh, you know, it's like he needs minutes. He's 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 promising, but he's nowhere near the first team yet. If if that's what he saw, I doubt Verratti would have been sold. I want to I want to stick on Zaire Emery. I asked uh, Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports. I had him on after the Milan uh, win, and I asked him who he would compare Zaire Emery to, and and he said Jude Bellingham over at Real Madrid. Asking you, do you think that's a fair comparison, or do you think there's someone else out there? Even if maybe he's got a little bit of this game, maybe of this person's game. Who do you? Because he's only 17. Who is Zaire Emery going to evolve into? If you had to have a crystal ball and say Zaire Emery is going to be a lot like this player. Yeah, good question. Um, I don't, I don't know. Well, Jonathan Johnson almost surely knows football better than I do. But, um, it, but if I had to take a guess, I feel like, and again, I have not watched a lot of Real Madrid this year. Um, I haven't watched a bunch of football outside of PSG. I've watched every second of of every PSG game so far this year, except for the preseason ones because. That was going on at 2 and 3 a.m. our time. But as far as competitive matches, I've watched every minute. Um, but not a lot of football outside of that. So I feel like, from what I'm hearing, like clips of, of Jude Bellingham I'm watching, I feel like he's more of a, an attacking midfielder. Whereas I wouldn't say Warren Zarem. I mean, the thing is, though, you almost could argue that he's almost turning into this attacking midfielder because he's bagging so many assists. And he's kind of lurking outside the box a lot of times. And that's where he has these chances like today. You're going to see him take shots from outside the box from there. Because that's often the area that attacking midfielders are looming in. So that may not be a bad comparison. Um, I will let you know, I, as far as my football history, like I know names and I know what players look like. But I honestly am not super, super knowledgeable on a lot of like past you know football legends. but. I guess if someone wants to throw this in the comments when you inevitably put this on YouTube or, or uh, yeah. let people know on Twitter, but if there's some 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 guy, some retired player that had great dribbling and he was like physically very strong, even though he mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily super tall, then I think maybe maybe that. I'm just trying to think of a guy. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I, but I got someone, and he's a PSG player uh, or former, uh, Blaise Matuidi. Yeah. You see a little Blaise Matuidi in Zaire Emery? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, the technical ability is mm-hmm. is there. Yeah, Matuidi was pretty strong from strong, what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say Matuidi was Not probably Not a great first be- touch. <laughs> no, I, I will say Matuidi, and Matuidi was probably better in defense than Warren Zaire Emery. But, um, yeah, there are some, there's some touches. Yeah, there's there's bits of him in there. Um, yeah, gosh, I'm wondering if someone's got some. Some real, like some strong midfielder. Because we see in these games, I mean, I saw some tweet where uh, Teo Hernandez in the Milan game, they went shoulder to shoulder. Warren's Armory is 17 years old, and it looked like Teo Hernandez had run into a brick wall. And this guy is like 28. I mean, the Hernandez brothers are, they're rather bulky dudes. They're, they're not like straw men by any means, they're not thin, thin dudes. Um, 
And Terranandas like hit the ground with the shoulder to shoulder contact. But he's also he's also quick. So um Well, let he, me read you this. Yeah. This is from out at Scouted Football and it, it had a picture and it said, Note two defenders, if you're up against Warren Zaire Emery, don't do this. And it's a photo of, of a breast player trying to come at him sideways and kind of reach for the ball with their foot and Zaire Emery just kind of like shoves him off with his hand and it says he's just gonna bounce off of you, leave you sprawled face down on the floor, burst away and plant one in the top corner from twenty five yards. Have a bit of humility, cut your losses, get back goal side. So yeah, when you come at Zaire Emery, you better come correct because he will shove you off and leave you face down in the in the pitch. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, he's been pocketed before. You can take the ball off of him, but uh, it seems like if you're trying to win a physical battle with him, that you'll probably fail. Let's get to Mr. Killian Mbappe because he scored a brace against Brest. He had his first goal was that signature goal. It was off of a counterattack. A few quick moves to free up space and boom, right past the keeper. I mean, we saw it against Milan. We saw it here. It's, it's his go-to move. Uh, the second was uh, a penalty. I think uh, Kola Mwani had won it. Mbappe steps up. It was saved. Initially, then he pounced on the rebound and that ultimately won the match. So, Talk about his performance in this one. I thought he looked incredibly sharp despite the number of matches that he's played. Like he was surprisingly up for this one and incredibly quick with his moves. I mean, he was laser focused in this one. So just talk about overall what you liked from Mbappe today. Yeah, I think uh I mean, man, he's just such a great tool, obviously, to have on counterattacks. Uh obviously that goes without saying, but um Man, yeah, we are lucky that we we have the the probably the best attacker in the world in our side. Um, yeah, we're just lucky that he's from Paris because if he was born if he was born somewhere else, he would be playing for whatever club he was born. I mean, if he was born in London, he'd be playing for Arsenal or Spurs or something. If he was born in Madrid, he'd be playing for Madrid. If he was born in Barcelona, he'd be playing there. I bet. Um, just because I think we kind of know at this point he he wants to he stay he stays Lawyer. here. Because mm-hmm. he wants to win a Champions League for the city of Paris. I don't think necessarily that he loves what PSG is, you know, the way it's run. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's got issues with it, like like we do. I don't like QSI. A lot of other supporters don't like QSI. I appreciate he's probably loving it now, and I'm sure he loves that paycheck. But yeah, maybe. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's probably thinking, man, these people are absurd for being willing to pay me that much. But then again, Madrid was willing to pay him somewhat similar, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we know that even if he doesn't love how PSG's run, it's like the city of Paris means so much to that guy. And people that aren't aren't supporters or aren't from there don't even think about it. Um, but they need to figure it out. So anyway, that's totally unrelated as to how he did today. But um, yeah, sharp as always. I don't know if I've got one thing that sticks out from the match that he did. I mean... I mean, I, I thought his link-up play with Kang and Lee was really, really good. Those two, we see pictures. They clearly get along really well. Um, I think the connection between those two is really blossoming. Mm-hmm. It could be really special moving forward. I really like what I see from them. Yeah, I, I maybe I'll go back and watch the highlights and try and see that more. Um, I had this weird gut feeling that Mbappe was going to miss that penalty. <laughs> I, I kind of sensed it, and I'm thinking it, this will just be what. Watch, this will just be one of those days where. Stadbrostrov scored two goals on basically the only way that we shouldn't have allowed goals. And we'll just, we'll have to settle for a point here and we'll be all disappointed and stuff. And, you know, that going to, to Brittany, that part of the country is cold, windy. It's, 
it's France's version of uh, a cold Tuesday night in Stoke that English people use, <laughs> that phrase that English people use. They even it's, have like an English style stadium too. They do, yeah. I mean, yeah, that part of uh that part of, of France is yeah, big English influence. Um yeah, I know that my last name is is uh, uh French and English and uh it's I suspect my ancestors way back today, my last name probably came from that area, very French and English. So and you know, you know, in throughout history for uh uh centuries, that that was where all these English versus French wars happen. So yeah, big clash of, of not cultures because it's definitely French, but um, yeah, big big English. It even you know feels like the rest of England, being all cold and dreary and the weather sucks, kind of a thing. So um, yeah, just I was thinking, ah, oh, just gonna be one of those nights where we're playing at a part of the country that that sucks. Not sucks. I actually really like the weather there. I've been there once, but it's just cold. It's dreary. We're getting weird calls. We're going to miss this penalty. Stade Bristol are scoring in ways they shouldn't be. I just was sure it was going to be one of those days. The penalty got saved, and I didn't really have time to process before he got to the rebound. But if I did, I would have been thinking, yep, yeah, that, that checks out. Uh, of course, of course, this game's going to be a draw, even though there's no reason we shouldn't have won it. Uh, but thank God that Mbappe put enough sauce on that first shot so that the keeper couldn't push it out for a corner or or a throw in so yeah we it's so weird i feel like the game we outplayed them by far i feel but at the same time i feel like we were extremely lucky to win you know it's it's it was just a weird game overall it was a weird game and then the first half i thought psg played really well 2-0 it was that goal right before um halftime that i thought is where everything went downhill. You hate to give up a goal right before halftime. The the team that's down gets, you know, motivated and, you know, 2-0 is always a dangerous lead as as the saying goes. So it was always going to be a challenge, but you know, as tight as this league on race is going to be, that, that two points that PSG stole basically, that I mean that could be, I mean we won league on uh by one point, was it last season? So Anytime you can steal points um, is always good. And you mentioned that part of, of France. PSG always struggle uh, struggle going over to Brittany. Uh, yep. You got Ren, Ren is, is yep. always we trouble. All, yeah. Even uh, Gang Gomp, I remember back in the day, they always give us uh, PSG a little bit of trouble. So yeah, yeah. beware would, of Brittany. Yeah, when we would play at Gang Gomp, we, we would struggle sometimes. I do remember us beating them 9-0 one year, though. But, but that was at the park. So... Yeah, yeah, no, right. era? yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. But no, you're right. Uh, and I was going to mention that if you didn't, Ren mm-hmm. is also in that part of the country. And we, until a couple weeks ago, hadn't won at Ren in years. So it's just a weird part of the country to go in. I think it's going to be the podcast title. Beware of Brittany. Um, let's, uh, let's talk, let's keep with Mbappe. We talked a little bit about that scuffle, uh, ahead of the penalty. Um, then, you know, some of the fans, according to Mbappe and some other reports, um, some of the fans were abusing, verbally abusing Akraf Hakimi, calling him names. We're not going to bring it all up here. You can look online, but some pretty terrible stuff. And so then I think Mbappe was being subbed off and, and then he started shouting at the fans and making hand gestures. I loved it. Did you love it? Do you, do you want to see this from Mbappe? Um, I, I like the passion. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that some people, a lot of French journalists were saying, 
This is yeah. now the French national team captain snack. I mean, I like France, but I'm ultimately American, so whatever. I mean, um, so uh, other than that, though. I mean, do, they, I, do those pundits think that these fans aren't going to root for France in the World Cup or the Euros no, next know, year because exactly. Mbappe that, that, was like... That is another point. Yeah, it's like they're not going to not root for... Oh, yeah, we're going to root for England because they're just right across up the up the way in the channel. No, it's it's not going to be like that, obviously. Um, yeah, I, we won't, I won't touch on what they probably called Hakimi either, but uh, if you followed the news last year about him, then uh, you can you can see what that was for. Um, whether, whether, I, I don't even know the details. I mean, we haven't got any info on any of the details from that, but, so I'm not going to speculate in any way, shape or form, but, um, I liked the passion from Mbappe, you know, whether it was really warranted or not is up to discussion. Um, I will say the fact that he was, I, he had the captain's armband on when he did that a little weird, like slightly weird. I don't really have a big issue with it, but it just didn't seem super captain-like, whereas Danilo was rallying the troops while Mbappe was firing up the, the stadium. So Yeah, you saw Danilo, like, everyone calm down. We don't, you know, yeah. no silly red yeah, cards game, or anything. Game's not over. Yeah, we got seven mm -hmm. minutes extra time. Um, yeah, it felt like he he was better assuming the role of captain there at the mm -hmm. end. Um, but you I know, think he was I, captain after Mbappe was... I'm sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I didn't see who got it, but it must have been him. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I mean, I do like to see this bit of passion from Mbappe. I think it shows back to what I touched on earlier. Like the guy loves Paris. He's playing for his city. He loves doing that clearly. And he's thinking, I'm not going to let these, this, this club from, from the rural part, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to let these guys not from my city beat me or or, or yeah. pull points off of us so or or say yeah. something horrible about hakimi who is one of his best friends in the in the squad yeah of course i'm sure that was probably most <laughs> of what it was it was uh what was motivating those words from him and we never um, saw him get you know fired up because i'm sure some fans probably yelled things at neymar and, and mbappe never really showed this kind of fire i mean it, it was something yeah. else we, we don't normally see that no, yeah, you're right. And uh, I think obviously the big difference there has got to be the fact that Neymar and Mbappe at PSG, probably the closest they ever were, were were familiar or close acquaintances. But were they hanging out outside of the club? I highly doubt it. So, you know, but, but I'm sure Hakimi and, and Killian are hanging out all the time, so... Yeah, we've seen pictures. I think they go to some of the NBA events and fashion yeah. week, whatever events. So, yeah. um, Ethan, I want to, you know, any final thoughts on PSG uh, win over Brest um, or just league on um, here on match day 10? We saw Monaco drop points to Lille, uh, which was good. That helped PSG move into second, one point behind Nice. Um, so that was exciting. But just your final thoughts on PSG's kind of escape away at Brest to get three points. Yeah, um, uh, I guess yeah. Two things you did touch on: Monaco losing. That was big. I didn't watch any of that, but I was uh, I knew to check the score at a certain time, see how it went. Yeah, it's good that puts us. Uh, even if they had drawn, we'd have been up on goal difference. But yeah, loss now for for them means that we're uh, one point clear of them, and we're in second. We're just one point behind Nice. Um, other than that, 
well, we're going to touch on Marseille Leon later, but um, gosh, what was my point? Oh, I guess I was going to say, I don't know which NFL head coach said this, but uh, I used this quote right after. It's uh, He said, so what if we won ugly? And I think that kind of summed up the game today. You know, this part of the season, titles are not won in October. They're not won in November or December. They're won March at the very earliest kind of a thing. Um, so we don't need to be playing our best football right now. It's just get wins, figure it out. This is still a relatively unfamiliar team as far as everyone knowing each other. So uh, just get these wins. Let's just hope they're they're continue to put in good work in the training ground and get more familiar with each other. And other than that, you know, there's a good chance we'll see their best football in the spring. Yeah, so a couple things uh, for me. I think uh, with the hail falling there in, in Brest, that uh, Mbappe is sensing the season's changing. It's getting colder. It, it's getting to be about that time where he needs to turn it on. And I think that's why we're seeing that fire. We're seeing him being extremely sharp. You know, he had a little stretch there was he wasn't even scoring. Now he's picking up the goals. We see, you know, the movement is is even quicker than usual. So I think he's sensing like I need to start rounding in the form. We're heading into the the business end of the group stage of the Champions League. You know, we're not leading Lingon. So I think he's sensing, hey, it's getting colder. It's go time. We got to get this together. Now, no more kind of figuring things out and messing around. So that's one. I think that's a good thing for PSG. Uh, On the flip side, uh, down uh, side on uh, PSG, Donnarumma. We saw him make a really poor pass that could have led to a goal. And I want to see him several games in a row. No silly mistakes. I don't even think the the, the goals uh, scored against him were really his fault. There's really nothing you could do, especially that second one, with, which was a, a glancing header, and he just was frozen. Um, but the silly, like, giving the ball away and bringing on, inviting unnecessary pressure, like, you got to stop doing that. And, you know, he's going to Milan here um, in about a week or so. It, they are going to be on top of him in, in a, just a cauldron. He has to stop making these silly mistakes. He's got to be better. If you don't see the clear pass, boot the ball down the pitch and play for another, you know, day. Like, stop giving the ball away. So I was frustrated with that. And I mentioned it earlier, Kenyon Lee, um, just really fantastic performance. I thought he was great. Ramos, still not quite, he's not quite there yet. Um, He was subbed off and I'm still waiting for him. I think he's still a great player, but... I want to see more out of him. Um, I, I know he has the ability, so hopefully we can, um, you know, give him some more minutes and, and hopefully see some more goals. Some of those headers we talked about, that would be nice. Um, Ethan, as we kind of conclude the show here, I did want to get your thoughts on PSG's win over Milan, which we mentioned a few times. What stood out to you in that match? Any concerns moving forward in the Champions League? What are your overall thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, I, we dominated the midfield, and I think that's how we're going to have to win these kind of Champions League games. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't touch on my thoughts of, I think when you summed up uh, Donnarumma against being at San Siro in a week and a half, um, yeah, I guess that's not related to this last match, but yeah, he's going to need to be on it. If he makes one mistake that leads to a goal over there, because uh, they're going to boo and whistle him every single time he has the ball. Yeah. yeah. So he better, he better be up for it more than anyone else on the entire pitch. Um, but as far as our, our win there, it's it's so funny that we look at this pretty convincing win. It could have been it could have been one one pretty early in the second half. 
Uh, I know that uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, our our Captain America here in the U.S., he had a, a, a little bit of a tighter angle than I think people think he had. It was not straight one-on-one with, with uh, Donnarumma, but instead of trying to take a shot, he tries to play it across to Giroud, and he just can't get back to the, the back post quick enough. So that could have been uh, a freaking chance. I mean, they had another chance kind of early there in the second half. Uh, but, you know, football is about mm, these moments, you know, dominating these kind of moments. And, I mean, yeah, we've we've seen it. So I think that's what the match on uh, in next week, week and a half, is going to come down to as well. I think Milan are definitely going to have chances to score. I just, in my opinion, they're probably not going to do it. They haven't scored a goal in the group stage yet, which is kind of crazy. Um, and th- these were actually the first goals that they'd allowed in the group stage, but that's because I played Giroux at goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, he's elite. He's, he's never allowed a goal as goalkeeper, it's, you know? So sign him. Instead you, of you know, yeah. Yeah. Friggin Manuel Neuer's allowed like 600 goals in his career, but everyone calls him the goat. Giroux has never allowed a single goal in his goalkeeping career. No one call. no one calls him the goat. What's that about? No, but uh, is there anything a French footballer can't do? They could play goal. They can score, score oh, goals. Man. They could do it all. That's why it's the greatest national team in the world. I don't, I don't care what happened. Well, of course I care a little bit. I, I saw what happened in December in Qatar. If if that's a full strength France, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I think they win it. So I, I think if overall, Kola Moani you know, scores that goal. Yeah, if he puts that away, then Mbappe's lifting the Ballon d'Or on Monday. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, just I think we all know that it's overall. You know throughout the course of, of these past four or five years that France has been the best national team in the world, probably. So, um, yeah, man, what I, I bet that I bet, you know, one day Didier Deschamps should just play. He should play Warren Zaire Emery, goalkeeper. He should put Ethan Mbappe at center back. And then just, just the weirdest lineup you've ever thought of. And, uh, play- striker. Kurzawa striker, wow, that Rabio left wing, Rabio left, yeah, everyone's interchangeable. It doesn't matter. Everyone can do everything. Mbappe will play uh, inverted right back. Uh, Mm. Yeah, no, you get real weird with it. Yeah, no, you're (laughs) right though. So much talent across. Those dudes are always so versatile, and they're always up for whatever challenge. I mean, Mbappe was so up for that World Cup comeback. It's definitely not his fault they lost. Of course, I mean. He made all four of his shots, you know, uh, or all, you know, scored, scored three goals and he made his penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And the volley was crazy. Anyway, that was off topic. But well, we, we got the yeah. Euros next uh, summer. So that'll be. I hope they, yeah, I want them to yeah. win. They got to be the favorites, I, I would assume. Um, Everyone's high on England right now, but um, they forgot that Gareth Southgate coaches them. So <laughs> they'll probably screw it up at some point. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was a great win. Um, 3-0 convincing. Zaire Emery, great performance. I mean, it was exactly what you would want. And it was sort of like a must win, just given the way the group is shaken out. Um, PSG needed that to, to maintain. So they're top of the group. And they've got a tough stretch. So PSG, they, they'll host Montpellier on, um, what is that, Friday, November 3rd. So this Friday. And then on Tuesday, they travel to Milan. For that Montpellier match, you think any squad rotation there? Do you think Mbappe gets a little bit of a breather, or three points is still critical? We're not in first league. How do you think that one plays out? Uh, I, I want Mbappe to be sat for that one. I actually made a tweet about this a couple days ago. 
uh, where because I said I think he has to sit like one or two of these games in the next, you know, through December. Um, give him a little bit of break because you know, I mean, uh, as far as international break, even though they're playing like freaking Gibraltar and someone else because they've they've already uh, assured qualification. You know that Mbappe will probably play full ninety minutes in both of those. I feel like he always does because he. I feel like he is dead set on. He is trying to become France's leading goal scorer <laughs> as quick as humanly possible. Yeah. He ideally wants to do it before he's twenty six years old. I bet, which will give him uh, a little over a year. Um, so I feel like I feel like right now at this point of his career, we should be sitting in for his health. I mean, he had a significant injury last season that kept him out. I mean. We saw he couldn't start in the the first leg of the round of 16 against Bayern. Uh, I'm just afraid of the same thing happening because of overuse. But knowing him, I don't think he'll be resting at all. And I think he'll be fine. That's the thing. I think most players would probably crumple at some point. And I think when they give the Ballon d'Or to Messi, which is probably going to happen, he's going to go like crazy and just start going, you know, scoring goals, hat tricks against Montpellier, another hat trick against Milan. Like I, I think that's going to fire him up even more when when they don't give it to him. Yeah, and you know it's uh, unrelated, but apparently uh, I don't know if this has always happened. I don't pay too much attention to the Ballon d'Or, um, but when. So apparently nowadays, when someone wins it, they're notified well in advance, so that they can attend the ceremony. It's like, what was he? Was Messi not going to attend the ceremony anyway? That just seems. Of course, he was going to be there. He knew that he's a favorite. He's uh, not in the MLS playoffs. He couldn't get Miami into the playoffs. No, true. Imagine if they were in the playoffs though, and he like <sighs> missed a playoff game for that. That would be so weird. <laughs> yeah, he would do it. Strange, he doesn't care. But, no, but uh, no, yeah, he wouldn't. I mean. They already won a trophy this year. He's yeah. He's he's looking towards the next year already. He's already on vacation. Apparently, he was over on the um, the west coast of Florida, like on the the bay side for some. Uh, oh, it's for one of his kids' uh, soccer tournaments. So they had to Is drive like across Tampa Bay or something. Yeah, it was Naples, so it's you know Thanks. south of Tampa, but it's like that area. Yeah, so that's a couple hours away. He probably drove or flew for that. I wonder if he drove. Imagine Messi driving on that. I don't know if you've ever been to that road. Uh, on that road, but it's it's just like driving through the swamps. Yeah, it's like a highway. But you know, if you look off to the left or right in either direction, there's like, yep, there are many alligators right there. It's uh, I kind of imagine cool. he he would fly. Like I can't see him driving across and like stopping at a Seven Eleven and asking for a key so his kid can go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> you know, that is. Do <laughs> you funny. imagine? No, no, I know he definitely didn't do that. But um, I'm just I'm just wondering if what if what if he wanted to see like a. A neat part of America. That's a pretty weird, interesting, unique part of America, the, the Everglades. So, that it is. That he, is he, I'm sure. Home of the Florida man. Yeah, yeah. Florida. Many Florida <laughs> men live out there in their in their rundown shacks. Yeah, playing banjos uh, with gators. Oh yeah. dear. That yeah. we need to get the details on that. So we'll keep an eye on that. The Ballon d'Or. Uh, last topic, and it's actually some well, very serious. Not somewhat serious. Pretty. It is very deadly serious here. So I want to get your thoughts on this Marseille and Leon match being postponed uh, before kickoff because the Leon bus is pulling up. It's attacked uh, by what I'm assuming is Marseille supporters. And then their manager, Leon's manager, uh, Fabio Grosso, uh, injured. I saw some photos. Face is all bloodied. Probably had glass in his, in his skin and everything. And 
just horrible stuff. So I want to ask you, what should be the repercussions here? What what does what do you do? The game never it didn't kick off. So what's the repercussions of this? Yeah, I I said this on Twitter right right when I kind of heard about it, and a lot of people thought it was a bit extreme. But I said I said Leon should get the win, and Marseille should face a points deduction. Now maybe I'm a little biased, and maybe I was a little fired up when I said that. But you know what? I said it, and I'm gonna stick to it. Uh, you know, after thinking about it a little bit, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's extreme. No, I'm gonna stick to it, and here's why. Paris Saint-Germain supporters did the exact same thing to Marseille's team bus in 2006. Now, I looked all over and I could not find any sort of point deduction for us, but I'm just going to go out and say it. We, we should have received a point deduction for that. And if the VA, if the Vrajote uh, was not closed in any way, then that's just ridiculous. So I'm going to stick to it. Point deduction. I'll say back then for the Le Classique in, I think it was November 2006, I think. Um, then Marseille should have been given that win because although the club can't, although PSG back then couldn't have been responsible for their supporters, um, it's like, and I don't like normally thinking this kind of way in situations, but I'll say it for this one. I think that someone's got to be punished for that. And you can't punish these random people who you don't know the identities of, basically any of them. I'm sure there were no arrests for us doing this to Marseille in 2006. So I highly doubt there were arrests for that today. But I think that someone's kind of got to pay. So I I still want to see point deduction. I I might change my mind in the future after thinking about this more. But based on that fact, I know that this almost this exact same thing happened back with us during a, before a classique back in the day. I can't even remember if that game went on. Um, again, I was uh, a child and I did not watch it live. I don't remember that game at all, but I, I know the history that that happened. And um, yeah, I just think that's there's no place for that in sport. Uh, you know, people will say it's oh, it wasn't the club that did it, but the, the club is. I don't know. It's uh, I know I probably don't have a perfect take on this, but that's that's my kind of bold, fiery, uh, saucy take, and I'm just going to stick with it uh, because if if teams aren't facing, you know, if someone's not facing serious punishment for this thing, then who's to say this won't happen when the game is replayed? I'm sure that the stadium will be closed, uh, the velodrome will be closed, but who's to say that fans won't do the exact same thing? Whenever this match is rescheduled, even though there won't be fans there. I mean, it's it's got to be serious enough to where fans are going to think, I don't want to screw over my club, so I'm not going to do that, you know? Um, so that, that's that's my take. I, it might be a bad one. I, I may be I may not be thinking into this as deep or, or as, uh, as much as I should, but uh, that's what I'm going with. I don't think it's too harsh. I think that's – if that happened, I think most – Reasonable people would be like, sure, yeah, that that sounds about right. They deserve it. Um, I did want to say this is from the AP News. The police arrested seven people suspected of being involved in Sunday's incidents but did not give details. Um, It also mentions 10 years ago fans from Marseille and Lyon fought in a violent brawl after meeting each other by chance at a service station, uh, traveling to and from the respective games, and it was a bloody clash, 17 injured. And so these teams, every time they get together, has always been – 
it's it's tense. And first question I have is, where were the police? How did how did fans get this close? Why didn't they suspect this? Like, we got to do better. The security around the, the visiting bus has to be because this could have been PSG. Marseille hate PSG just as much, if not more, than Leon. I mean, this could have been Mbappe with glass in his face. This could have been Luis Enrique with blood all over. So yeah, it, it's got to be better. I think point deduction. If that happened, totally fine with that. Of course, it's Marseille. Um, I think you got to hit them where it hurts, and that's financially. I would say no more fans in the stadium for the rest of the season. You're done. No more fans. You're not allowed. So they're not getting any of that revenue. And then I would hit Marseille with a heavy fine. You have to penalize these teams significantly. Points and financial if you want this stuff to stop. This can't happen in in 2023, almost 2024 now. We can't have this. Buses getting attacked. You know, this doesn't happen, you know, in the United States. We have security. You ever see, like, a, a, a bus with a college football? They have police all oh around gosh. that thing. It's, they probably have a, drones watching the crowd. Friggin', yeah, it's a friggin' escort. I was going to say, I'm yeah. so surprised that wasn't the case. You know, I don't think uh, a point deduction is going to happen. I think, you know, maybe I'm thinking too extreme in that sense. And, of course, I'm biased because it's Marseille. And I just think, institutionally, there's a lot of corruption in that club. And so I don't hate to see them suffer like this, but um, I mean, ultimately, most of them, I'm sure, are are good people. But unfortunately, the actions of a few can, and maybe you know, in, at times, need to affect everyone else. So people who did nothing wrong are going to hurt from this a bit, and I think that's the way it should be. I, I think maybe if I'm thinking way too extreme on a point deduction, I agree with you. A bunch of matches, maybe if not the whole season. Uh, with no fans, because yeah, that'll hurt their income, uh, because their only other main income is sponsorships. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I say that because I, again, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but their manager significantly sliced up oh, from I the, saw, the yeah, broken glass. Gross I mean, this wasn't just throwing and banging on the bus. I mean, people mm-hmm. got significantly hurt. I mean, this is serious yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They were probably I saw the photos. They were probably pulling glass out of his face. It's just football at the end of the day. I mean, I know it means a lot to these people in these communities, yeah. but um, that's obviously way too far. Yeah. Well, Ethan, thanks for touching on that. It was a, a heavy subject. We want to hate to go out that way, but um, we did talk. We talked all about the win over Brest. We talked to looking back at uh, AC Milan and some really exciting games coming up Friday, Montpellier, and then all eyes towards Milan should be a good one. Uh, Ethan, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's late here on a Sunday, so I really appreciate you carving out some time for us and putting your dinner on hold. Uh, and thank you, all, uh, all of you out there for listening. Always appreciate your support. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't. Leave us a, re- a review, why don't you? And uh, also, we're on Substack. You can subscribe to PSG Talk Extra Time for free. I've got columns from myself and Jonathan Johnson there. And, of course, PSGTalk.com for all your PSG news. All right, until next time, bye for now.